Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Wow, everyone. Hello, it's me. I'm back from Costa Rica. Oh my God. So I went to Costa Rica last week to do um, some more surfing. Or at least that's what I thought I went to Costa Rica for. <laughs> to surf, to get away, to spend time with my friend Colleen Cannon, who's actually been on the podcast. You got to go back and listen to hers. I think it's like episode 50 something. Anyway, um, what's interesting is that we have these ideas in our head of why we do things, why, of, of what we want to get out of something that we put our minds to. But when it actually goes down, something very different can sometimes happen. And that's what happened to me in Costa Rica. It was a trip that was much deeper, much more full of life lessons and Oh God, I don't even know how to describe it than I ever could have imagined. I'm going to keep you in suspense because I'm not quite sure what to make of it yet and how to share it, but I will someday. That, I promise. But my message to you right now is free your minds of any kind of attachment to an outcome, whether it's winning a race or getting a certain time or in my case, learning how to surf better and making that the reason to take a trip. <laughs> What's cool is that it can be the reason to go on the trip. It's just when you get there, be open. If you can't be open, life is not worth living. And I'll tell you, today's guest is an amazing example of openness. Um, wow, you're going to freaking love it. I met Tunda. Tunda Borrego, I actually didn't even know her last name until she came over to my house for the interview. I met Tunda at Core Power Yoga a few years ago when I started doing yoga. I had no idea I'd still be doing yoga. I took one of her classes, was one of my, uh, the classes I took during my free week. And it was this like crazy class. They call it C2 and it's kind of like a flow class. And her instruction was unlike any other teacher. I mean, I didn't really know much at the time, but I do now. And she's still unlike any other teacher. She is absolutely amazing. It's like you walk into her room and the first thing is you just say to yourself, thank you for your energy, Tunda. I needed you today. It's like she gives you permission to just be free and be you and be awesome and happy and revel in whatever you can do that day. And I love that. I love that about her because I think that's one thing I learned about yoga. It's not about restricting yourself. It's about opening yourself. <laughs> so as I would take classes from her over these last few years, she would occasionally let out these little personal insights like blah, 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 bulimia or blah, 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 body image problems, or blah, 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 family issues. And I just, in my head, I was like, 
she's so interesting. There's so much to her. You know, we all have these incredible stories and we rarely have a chance to share them. But I just had a gut feeling that she's been through some stuff that we could all benefit from learning more about. So I invited her to be on the show. And what's really awesome about today's episode is that I really did not know her background. And so as you hear the things we talk about today, I'm learning them for the first time too. So we have a very candid conversation about a whole range of topics that are like both interesting and somewhat taboo. And she's so open and honest. And I think you'll find her, oh, both comforting and inspiring at the same time. I know I do. I can't wait to go back to yoga again, but I did sustain an interesting uh, surf injury, so I've got to give myself a few days off. (laughs) Um, So before we start, I also want to remind you guys that, you know, the company that I built and love so much, Skirt Sports, has a really cool new portal for for people to come and play with us, whether you wear our clothes or not. It's on Facebook. It's called the Skirt Sports Women Who Move Group. And it is meant to be a resource for active women for whatever you want. And and you'll also get information about skirt sports, things we're doing at the company, but it goes well beyond that into the realm of health and happiness. Um, In February... We are doing a self-love challenge. We'll be writing ourselves a little love letter um, in honor of Valentine's Day and shortly after Valentine's Day, my birthday. I'll be turning 48 on February 17th. So uh, definitely get over to the Women Who Move group. Um, The other cool thing is that you get a discount to Skirt Sports just by signing up. So make sure you do all you have to do is answer a couple quick questions and we'll let you into the magic. All right, speaking of magic, it's time. Let's get Tunda on the show. I didn't know how to say your name for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. And like I went to the women in the front. I'm like, can you give this to Tundi? Okay. And they looked at me weird like, uh-huh. Oh, why, when do they? They why didn't they look at me like that weird, but then I go, is that how you say your name? And yeah. they're like, no. Yeah. But she'll take it. She'll take anything. Yeah, as long as you try. So it's Tunda. 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 Yeah. Like a cartoon, duh. That's so what I, like I to wrote. Imagine it. Yeah. Tunda. Tunda. And um, what's your last name? Borrego. <laughs> it's a long know. story. We don't have to get into oh that. Oh my gosh. And like, <laughs> I, I think I told my parents that I was interviewing, you know, one of my yoga instructors yeah. and I told them your name and they're like, is she like 20? Like as if hippie, you know, <laughs> yeah. like young parent, you know, and I was like, no, I don't yeah. think so. Like, no. what's the story behind your name? Well, Tunda is actually Hungarian. And technically, it's spelled with umlauts. So it's T-U-N-D-E, two umlauts over the U. Excuse me. And so it's actually really pronounced like tunde, but I'm a bit Americanized, so tunda is how I've been saying it. Well, and you're going to really correct everybody? No. No, it's an umlaut. Yeah, exactly. Come on, get it right. Exactly. And then last name... (laughs) Fast forward, stepdaughter, da- stepdad adopted me when I was 12, so I had a, a name change. So Borrego is Spanish, even though I have zero Spanish in oh, me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, like I've been thinking about you, and mm-hmm. as I've uh, come to know you over the last couple of years of, of becoming a core power member and like 
starting to really incorporate it in my life. Um, you let little things slip out in classes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, there's yeah. so much more to this woman. Yeah. And you just let, and, and what's cool about this episode is that I really don't know your background. Yeah. Sometimes I do. And so I'm just sort of like picking the pieces out that I hope our listeners will appreciate. Yeah. But I yeah, don't totally. know it. And so I think maybe we should just start with that. I mean, you just said you were adopted at age 12. So yeah. what's going on? Like what happened early in your life here? Um, Mom and birth dad divorced really young when I was six. And my birth sister was two weeks old. So he left. He's Hungarian. Went, to Bud- went back to Budapest. And then fast forward six years forward, my mom remarried. So... When when your your step parent adopts you, you just take the last name. So I took his last name. So it wasn't so, like it was like in foster care. I like that type, but like adopted as in took his last name. I guess. But wait, your your birth dad left when your sister was two weeks old. Yep. How old were you? Six. Okay. And I hadn't seen him for years, for like thirty years. Fast forward, I just recently remet him. <gasps> oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of don't know where to go except I, yeah. I want to follow this thread. Yeah. Well, um, how'd that go? Bizarre. We could table that one, but uh, <laughs> that you know, um, growing up, and then my mom was an alcoholic, and so, but for those six years where you know she was partying and drinking, and it was she was just in, you know. And it's all in hindsight, like I have so much compassion for her because I also too suffer from addiction and, um, you know, the ism. Um, and so growing up, I think the the emotional piece of like being abandoned when like not having a, a father and then when like this other man stepped in, we didn't really have like a birth connection. So yeah, hence uh, daddy daddy issues. <laughs> so So you went through like the pretty important years of six through 12 with a mother who was gone struggling yeah, she was absent absent yeah, struggling and she was really young she had me when oh she boy. was like 20 or 21 oh wow okay and your little sister i mean did yeah. you end up raising her yeah i babysat a lot wow yeah. even at like six years old like well, really she young? almost died from kidney failure when i was when she was two and so there was this whole chunk of time that where she was in the hospital and i was with living with relatives and it was just kind of a whirlwind. Um, yeah. Fast forward through that, though. Um, so wait, your mom met a guy. Yeah. And was he a positive stabilizing force? Well, they were partiers, actually. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. he was perpetuating yeah. the whirlwind? But my my mom, um, unfortunately or fortunately enough, um, you know, I just remember so much pain as a kid, like praying to God that she would die. She was a very mean person when she was drunk. Um, and her liver started to fail actually. So that was like an answered prayer. She stopped drinking. But when she stopped drinking is when I started when I was like 14, middle school, high school. And so I moved out at 16, um, just broken relationship after broken relationship, bulimia's in there, drinking and blacking out. Um, That's all mixed into the equation. And then I got sober for the first time when I was 19. And then I I got sober for like seven years. And in those seven years, I really was able to like put my life back together. I went back to school. I did AmeriCorps. Um, I got my associates and my bachelor's. And AmeriCorps is like 1,900 hours of community service. And then I got married. And I got married to an incredible man, but I was always really jealous that he could still drink. 
I had this thing inside of me because I was like, oh, I was just too young when I got sober. And then I started doing yoga actually thinking, oh, I have a healthy liver. I can drink now. It's been seven years. Like just that creeping in, that that thought of, oh, I can, it wasn't that bad or I didn't, you know, just that's the trick of like the ego or the the, al- the alcoholic thinking or whatever you want to label it. And so I, my mind was made up like, oh, if I drank, our sex life would be incredible. <laughs> Well, long story short, that didn't happen. I had an affair and just like, um, then I really spiraled. I really spiraled so, hardcore. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm relating to a lot of this. Like um, the early love of what drinking alcohol did for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it like made, I don't know, how did it make you feel? It's so crazy because looking back, it made me feel like, like, sh- can I cut? Can I? Okay, it made me feel like bleep. <laughs> it made yeah. me feel like shit because totally. I'd always end up overdoing it. Like it, the, the first drink would take me, and I remember just feeling a sense of confidence and a relief. But I just, I never, I, I still to this day don't know how to have just one. Like as soon as it hits my system, I just I can't explain it to somebody who doesn't have the same sensation. But like I just want more, and there's never enough ever that like so. Um, I just don't know how to, to stop the party once it started. So, I mean, I see people having like, you know, leaving some on the table. I've, I've never been that girl. I'll finish your drink. Like I just, they're just, ne- it's insatiable. So, um, and is it just with alcohol? Uh, that's funny you say that it's with anything that makes me feel good. That's why I'm wow. so grateful that I found yoga because I can channel my energy, my addictive tendencies. I hike Sanitas every day. Like I can channel uh-huh. my call it the addictive side that my my pendulum but um yeah do you think that then that it um this tendency towards addiction or what you did early in your life which was based uh or focused on alcohol right mm-hmm. with drugs too or mostly alcohol? that came later actually. okay okay we'll get there <laughs> yeah. um do you think that this is nature versus nurture like which side yeah i think both my degree is actually sociology, so I really believe like there's a social construction of like you know um, how being raised. There's also a component of trauma and um, how that affects a child growing up in a in a container where I grew up with just a lot of fear and anxiety, um, moving around a lot. My mom had a lot of boyfriends, you know, growing up and just seeing some violence and just stuff that you know i feel like i had the worst childhood ever it really that's why it's exciting to be an adult and it's like i get a second chance of like i get to play and have fun um but i'm kind of diverting there um yeah nature versus nurture definitely and i feel like i believe i believe both yeah okay so (laughs) so you had some kind of like innate tendency and then there you just needed this to to get out of your coping yeah yeah your life situation and so i also can completely relate to the idea of like you take a sip like a lot of i love the dream that i could be the kind Mm -hmm. of drinker who could have one drink Mm -hmm. and just be like yeah that's cool but even I could, mm-hmm. but then I'm always wanting the mm-hmm. next one. So mm-hmm. it's not as satisfying, right? Definitely. Um, I'm sh- You may know this because I know you've listened to my podcast, mm-hmm. but I've been sober for 12 years. It's amazing. And it is amazing. But um, earlier on, the other thing I'm also relating to is I remember I, now looking back, it was like I took a year off of drinking. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe yeah. I was done. But yeah. those same thoughts creep back in. Yeah. And that idea of, well... 
maybe it wasn't so bad yeah. or maybe maybe you I just can, totally forget yeah i can figure out how to control it now or handle it or yeah. whatever so you said you were at 19 years old you got sober yeah it was already i was already really out of control at that point i've been already in i grew up in longmont and like getting involved with the law and i was on probation and just i already i don't make the best decisions at all when i'm intoxicated you know sleeping with boys you know it's like it's pretty fascinating to like look at how I was living. And again, like the, the level of, I had so much self-hate. And this is all in hindsight. If you would have asked like the high school me, like I was clueless, but you know, just think of bleach blonde hair, fake green contacts, just really wanting attention, um, but being a scared little girl. And then alcohol was a tool to open up and be, you know, the life of the party. But then I just always went overboard, always. always like peeing my pants peeing in people's beds you know like sleeping with friends boyfriends just the drama and the turbulence that went with it it's like that's not who i want to be on the planet so yeah at 19 i was like i gotta i gotta pull it together so did something happen that helped you realize that or or, like did somebody push you towards this like it is time to change your life but my parents at this time were going to aa and i just knew like it's like i didn't want to be like them so badly but it's like i knew like my friends weren't blacking out as much as me like people were starting to not want to hang out with me as much so there was this level of like just self-hatred and just feeling of guilt and shame and being hungover like I'd be hungover for days and then just the downward spiral of being in that frame of mind and just just really hating me I was just so mean to myself so mean to myself can we can we talk about blackout drinking oh because that that's the kind of drinker I was too Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, people who don't black out, they don't really understand. Oh, they have no clue. No. And I had people think, oh, yeah, you're just saying that. It's like, I have no idea. No. No recollection. I don't know where that went. I saw myself one time on a video. I was like, I, I, that is me, but I don't remember any of that. Like, it's just this the worst gut sinking feeling it really is and um and i think you know for anybody out there who doesn't know this like you may be out at a party or you know at an event and a friend is drunk and they are acting and functioning like a mm-hmm. somewhat normal drunk human being mm-hmm. but they are out. yeah their brain isn't there and so the decisions they're making are not necessarily ones they would make if if they weren't you know, that far under the influence. Everything. Things that come out of their mouth. Absolutely. At least for me, like I remember like somebody said that, like I just hate that feeling of, don't tell me what I did last night. I don't want to know. I don't want to (laughs) know. I remember waking up and being like, calling my friend and just sort of being like, what happened? What did I do? Mm, It's the worst feeling ever. It is. It's a horrible feeling. And you're always relieved if it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Right? And that's what you're going for. I hope it wasn't that bad. But then why would we go down the rabbit hole the next time? Like, do you recall you'd be drinking, you'd be like four or five drinks in, you're like, I got this. Like, I can remember what's going on. And then the next day, boom, at some point you went over the edge. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of times where I remember distinctively thinking, I'm going to remember this. 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 (laughs) Wow. Nope. Yeah. And, And it's like, it's so unhealthy and we know it and we keep doing it. And, and to your point, like, I think everybody has a different trigger that helps them move out of a, 
a bad situation. Mm -hmm. So it was really you watching your parents who had been like your mom had not been the best role Mm -hmm. model, but something changed in her. I mean, did Mm -hmm. you step back and be like, wow, I kind of respect that? Or were you kind of just like resentful still? Or what was going on there? I was, I think I was so checked out um, at that phase of my life that I, I have an ability to kind of detach. And so I moved out with my boyfriend at 16. And I remember barely graduating high school. I graduated a year early just because I needed to get out. But um, I remember my cousin reminded me because I was so excited to show my cousin my place that I moved out. Like, I'm 16, I'm out of the house. And she told me that the first thing that I did, I didn't give her a tour of the house. I went straight to my fridge and, and I was like, look at all this liquor that I have. And I was like, and you were 16. Yeah, yeah, it was just... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and this wasn't like Wisconsin in the 70s when you could be 18, yeah. which was still yeah. two years too young. Yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't it interesting how we take pride oh in gosh. those moments in our in our identity that we've created for ourselves? It's bizarre. Like you were probably yeah. like, I'm an awesome drinker. Like I can party. Yeah. I just was like, I don't live with my parents. I can drink whenever I want. And then just downward spiral from there. Yeah. I just remember just just so many blackouts. You know, I I think that these are, the fact that you can talk about this in a way that you seem comfortable doing. So there's some confidence now and like your life is different, but they're cringeworthy things to talk about. And some people listening, and especially people who are in a place where they know they need to change some behavior they're doing, they're listening and they don't really want to listen. Yeah, it's scary to change because it's like such, it's socially acceptable. It's like, you know, when you go on a date, what do you do? You go grab drinks, you know, to, to the social lubricant. When you go to a party, what do you do? It's like, oh, you can bring wine, you know. So it's it's this thing where having, t- for me, after, you know, I've gotten sober so many times. Well, let's talk about this first one because you. I wanted to say like, okay, so you said you were seven years sober, but now you're yeah. 40, almost 40, not quite, yeah. and you're yeah. 20. So there's some stuff happening in between. But <laughs> yeah. What, what what was going on in those seven years from 19 to 26? Um, I went back to school. I moved to Denver. I went and got my associates. I took some time off and I went to AmeriCorps, like I mentioned. They give you an education award. I went to CU. I got my life together. I got married. And then again, that, that thinking of like, oh, it, your, your life is so like, I, I wasn't like specifically, I was going out of my way to think like, I think it's time to drink again. But it's just these creeping little thoughts of like being with the man that I married and he could drink and, you know, kissing him sometimes and smelling it and maybe wanting to get tiramisu because there's some alcohol in it. And, you know, like, ooh, I can drink this kombucha. I'm just kind of teetering on this, like this kind of on the fence, like kind of like, oh, I couldn't wait to get my wisdom teeth pulled because my husband and I, we never did. We got divorced. That's another story. But um, I remember to go to the Peace Corps, we were going to do the Peace Corps and you had to get your wisdom teeth pulled. And I could not wait because I knew that I was going to get the drugs and I haven't done like drugs or anything for like, you know, seven years. And so um, just little things, things like that where it's like, I don't think a normal person really is looking forward to getting their wisdom teeth pulled out, but I was just like, I'm going to get the best drugs and I'm going to just go out for a week. You know? So it's like, I built up these- But you're still sober, so it didn't really yeah, count. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't count. I'm not drinking. I'm not blacking out. So I would justify- um, and that's what I really get to notice now is like where I get to justify. I really got to watch my thinking because I can trick myself just as an, oh, I can drink now. My liver hasn't drank in seven years. It's 
it's ready, it's healthy, you know? Or after going to AA for so long, um, and then learning about yoga and mantra and vibration. So I thought, oh, if I'm sitting in these meetings saying I'm, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, well then I am. So I'm gonna start saying I'm healthy, I'm healthy. you know. And so tricking myself into thinking and believing like, oh, drinking's gonna help me and my husband's sex life, which was definitely not the case. <laughs> I had an affair, you know, like just again, the downward spiral of just um, the decisions I make when I'm actually drinking. Yeah. Totally. So at 26, your marriage fell apart. Yeah. We were together eight years, married for one. And then that was a whole nother tornado. Well, so what happened? Like, why did you guys end up breaking up? I mean, clearly. I I got it. Yeah. So were you drinking again when you made those decisions? I was drinking, but not like during the actual affair. But I met this person who just was a magnet and just sucked me right in and was like, I want to get to know you. And at this point, my, my marriage, when, we're, when we were drinking, and we were just fighting and arguing and, um, you know, I'm blacking out. And he'd never seen me like this because when we met, I was sober all the way until, you know, six years in or seven years in. And so bless his heart. He was such a kind man. And he's such an amazing, incredible person. But, um, and I recently made amends to him. And the, the funny thing is, is he was basically like, Tunda, stop living in the past. It's okay. Like, I'm the one that carries this guilt and shame and burden. And just, um, that's what I'm really realizing is like, um, just this whole process of, you know, since being sober and then making amends and, you know, cleaning my side of the street and taking responsibility. And um, it's, it's incredible to see the flip side and karma and how the, how everything goes around comes around you know it's just such a um incredible lesson but I, I, i'm kind of veering off on a i don't know where i'm going no but. these are all i mean i think maybe that's part of the thread is like life is a lesson yeah. you know and you've learned a lot of them and it's you know we like to think like we're not going to make the same mistake twice mm. right we like to think that mm. but <laughs> you know that's human nature mm. sometimes and relapse is basically the you know concept of like kind of making the same mistake twice or not yeah i don't know exactly but i'm i'm Have liking you ever that um well early not in the 12 years but um you know i i decided to stop drinking mm-hmm. and then i thought i could drink again yeah and it just went downhill yeah like you said mm-hmm. it's a slippery slope mm. like i I don't know. I mean, maybe I was testing whether or not I really was an alcoholic mm-hmm. or if I just had some alcohol abuse issues or I was a college partier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the truth is, alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know, can't can't drink like a, maybe this is unfair to say, but like a normal human. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I'm always going to go too far. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think those are, those are tough lessons for us. And they often take other people helping mm. write us. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's rare that somebody who relapses gets a back on track on their own. Mm. Would you agree or do you, have you been able to accomplish that? Say that one more time. It's hard to get back on track. On if, your own. Yeah. If nobody, like friends or, or, you know, myself or other people I know who have gone down the path of like relapsing and mm. whatever their addiction or problem was, often it's other people in their life mm. who really have kind of propped them back up and mm. helped them take steps back towards sobriety or health. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, were I you feel like able? there's so yeah. many different, I've actually <laughs> relapsed so many times. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, 
Okay, well, let me go back then. Okay. Um, so the man that you had an affair with, yeah. did you end up in a relationship with him? Very tumultuous. Okay. It's extremely, who, somebody's probably, you might even know, but I, I'll yeah. remain anonymous on Yeah, here. that's totally cool, <laughs> as as you should. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when we first started, quote unquote, if you call it dating, you know, I was married. And so all of a sudden we go from zero to 60 into this like crazy, like, love bang of just like you know i went in the marriage which our sex life wasn't the best to all of a sudden having like incredible amazing sex but that's really all the relationship was based on so um within that time he lost his job so i was managing at north boulder the core power and i was like oh well do the teacher training so i gave it to him for free which i still kind of regret to this day but it's all perfect how it works out (laughs) and then i was like here you can start teaching some classes and then so he started he just jumped right in so our worlds were so all of a sudden enmeshed and then and you were still married and then i at this point i told my my husband then right away i just i just felt so guilty and i also felt this excitement like this um a whole new chapter really was like unfolding so i was really kind of almost like hypnotized the first the first six months at least and then like reality set in like you know the divorce and just the, the pain and like pulling our what I would imagine like pulling family apart because I've been with this person for like eight years. Um, And so in the meantime, then this, it turned so tumultuous and in and out, I moved out of his house three times, which is just, you know, the first time's okay. Second time family's like, all right, this is the second time. Third time it's like, okay, this is not a normal, like moving in and out was, was actually really, again, it's just the tornado of the, the life of the drama so we weren't drinking together but i was definitely you know dabbling and partying i started like i i started dabbling my toe in molly and you know at 30 and i'm just like i love dancing and just i'm like i'm turning 30 you can come to vegas with me i'm do a bunch of blow and this is all like teaching yoga too so it's like i had kind of like a double life of like trying to show up and teach yoga um and be the ultimate like (laughs) health you know (laughs) health provider right and and inspire people yeah and then part party life at night and so i mean again this is all in hindsight but um it's just to be on this path and not living in an an alignment just the the world kind of you know bitch slapped me a couple times you know yeah (laughs) yeah which i needed to get my head on my ass but um yeah, so that was almost four and a half years of in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and then it just, thank God it fizzled out. He then married somebody, which thank God he did, because the next time we bumped into each other, instead of just running back to my bedroom, because it was just like that much fire and passion, it was like, hmm, you're married now. And so that broke that cycle. And then I, you know, but I continue to go down the rabbit hole of um, just broken relationship after broken relationship finding i for me personally there's this fine line between what sex and love is and i don't really know if like they go so hand in hands and feeling a sense of getting love from men and getting the touch and having sex and just having the chemicals that happen so um you know i've also dabbled in slaa which is sex and love anonymous um which is amazing it's not always just like you have to be like a sex addict it's really mostly the emotional component of like feeling good getting it from somebody else mm-hmm. so just learning about that in my in my also in my patterning you know yeah, working, so, working with that so what have you been seeking on this like relationship road i think in hindsight now which is funny you ask because i 
am cultivating it for myself finally after almost like I'm, you know, I'm almost 40. I keep saying almost 40. I'm going to be 40 really soon. So well, what's finally, your birthday? March We're going to celebrate it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, I am finally seeing like, I got to love myself. Like I didn't really get that much love, you know, at bless my mom's heart and bless my dad. They were on their own journey. And then like looking outside and seeking. And now I'm really seeing like, I have to love myself. Like, you know, like a, like a little kid, like I would love, I have a niece who I love and adore. It's like treating myself as if I'm still that little kid. So I'm off the dating apps, you know, I'm real. I'm just giving myself right now a full year to like become friends. So 2020 is the year of friendship. And I'm real because the last relapse that I had, if you want to talk about relapse, yeah. um, I really realized that I have done a really shitty job cultivating friendships because I was really low and at a point where I was going to AA meetings and telling them like, wow, everyone, I am struggling. Um, and n- nobody really cared. And it's like, wow, that shows that I've done a shit job to people wanting to care. So I've... I see like I have to be, you know that saying, be the change you want to see in the world. I need to show up the way I want others to show up for me. So um, really cultivating first, I need to be the person that I want to date. <laughs> and I'm slowly getting there um, because I feel like nobody's going to save me. You know, there, there, there was this idea of like, you know, that romantic like savior of, of whatever, knight in shining armor. But it's like, that's me. I get to be that <laughs> for me. That is so awesome. Yeah. No, I absolutely love that. It takes maturity uh-huh. to get there and years of living. Yeah. Like there's no way you could have come to that realization when you were 25, 26. Yeah. You had to go through the muck. Yeah. Which is brutal and yeah. possibly almost killed you. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you you live you lived a lot. Yeah. You know, and when you do things and you have these tendencies towards the dark side who knows where you may end up the next day right and so i'm i look at you and i know you in a totally different light and i didn't know any of this yeah which is like (laughs) so awesome because you have the ability to be open and vulnerable yeah i don't know who you were as a teacher 10 years ago yeah were you the same? Did you put off this vibe that made people want to come take your class, that made people want to have a piece of you in their day in order to make themselves feel better and be happier? Can you can you believe you do that yeah, for people? I know I have the best job in the world. It's amazing. It's hard to say because I hope to God I've changed. You know, like I've grown and changed since 10 years ago. But um, I feel like, um, I guess the essence of my classes, I like to move a lot. I do a lot of, you know, I like to ch- be challenged and have fun. Like I mentioned, like not having a good childhood. So kind of being able to be that kind of playfulness because people get so serious in, in, in their practice, which is a great place to be serious. And then also a place for lightness. There's so much serious in the world. So it's like, let's lighten up. You know, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to, it's okay to have a little bit of fun. It's okay to just to like pretend. I have, my big thing right now is fake smiles. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I love a fake smile. I'm <laughs> yeah. all about the fake yeah. smiles. Yeah, I did a nine and a half minute meditation with a fake smile today. Not as easy as it sounds. Oh my God. <laughs> did it make you feel good? Though? Yes. Did it give you Absolutely. the endorphins and the yeah. happy hormones you needed? I love it. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm, I need I need that feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I think nobody, We haven't, I haven't talked to anybody on the show before about affairs and okay. about sex yeah. and that like chemical. What? Yeah, let's talk about it. We need to. We need to. Definitely. (laughs) Because um, I know people listening are like, oh, can she rewind and go back to that part of the conversation? (laughs) Because 
There's a lot of people listening who might be my age, closer to 50, uh-huh. and have been in relationships for a long time, and there's it, they do not, that initial excitement you mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. when you meet someone that you have some kind of chemical attraction to, yeah. um, it doesn't stay forever. No. You know, and I think you can you can resurrect it or you know figure out ways to as to long find as both it. parties are both. I, that's my my theory. Both parties have to be invested. Totally. Yeah. But then, I mean, there's the realities of life. Like you walked through my house. Like yeah. there's a child that lives yeah. here. Like, there's <laughs> you're not always feeling awesome yeah. and beautiful and exactly. sexy and all the stuff. And one person might be like, "Hey, let's get it on," and the other one's like, "I'm doing the dishes." Yeah, you're like, like I'm tired. no, yeah, I've got gas tonight. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh-uh, uh-huh, it's not happening. Yeah. But um. You know, you kind of said like in your first marriage, you felt like oh, our sex wasn't that good. But yeah, I had a sex therapist on the show. So okay. we talked like and more clinically about okay. this. And it's not necessarily that you can't have great sex. It's that yeah. you both have to be open and available yeah. for it. And then you've got to, it's like you have to work on it together. Yeah. It's kind of like a job. I think when I was married, I was since I was so young, um, I didn't really have the ability to talk about sex. Um, talking about it felt really scary. Um, and I was his first pretty, like I was first, his first girlfriend. So he's, I would say not the most experienced in the bedroom. And so I'd be like, just go watch some movies, you know, like go, go learn about, go, you know, like go read some books. I, I would be more like, instead of let me show you. Yeah, or, exactly. I'm like, go learn about, embarrassing it is. Or, yeah. It's like yeah. kind of scary. I'm like, go watch some porn or, you know, I was just, um, and then during the time then I was I was feeling kind of embarrassed because then I was like watching porn a little bit by myself and then you know and so when this person <laughs> is awesome yeah and when this person that I had an affair with walked into my life and he's totally like almost hypnotizing me I'm thinking like I, like as I'm like wetting my pants as we're talking I, I've never had that experience before I'm thinking <gasps> wow, listen to my heart when that's not my heart, you know? It's, right. Um, so I'm being I wish we had that on my video. hormones. Yeah. yeah, I'm pointing to my, <laughs> my vagina crotch area. My crotch area. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not your heart <laughs> chakra. No. That's your root chakra. Got so yeah. um, I'd never experienced that like sense of visceral. My body was just, it was the most crazy thing to like have when I'm married and I've taken these vows and... um and so I got really, there's this level of shame of like, I can't talk to my husband about this, you know? And so the way that the divorce went down was really, really, um, I just, I, I see how I do not want to show up on the planet. Like everything went down via like nothing in person. It was all emailed and texts. And so it was just this level again of like, I remember one time he's like, what do you tell your friends? You know, it's like, what, do you tell your friends you just went and had an affair and just left? Which I feel really bad too because he wanted to go to therapy and I was just like hypnotized. I was like, no, I crossed the line. I can't go back. So in my mind, I'm I'm so black and white with, you know, everything like sober, not sober. Like my pendulum is like black, white, yes, no. So it's like, mm, I, I crossed the line, can't go back. Like, which it's, I mean, everything's perfect, but it's just funny to look back at life and, think like wow that's how I was thinking at the time no it's true though I mean you've been swinging on a pendulum yeah but you're reaching a point in your life where it's stabilizing is it yeah yeah 
And it sounds like, or, or maybe something you said earlier was like, you figured out that you're going to be the one to save you. You're going to yeah. be the one to love you. You're going to be the one to guide you. Yeah. Right. So it's all that yoga stuff. Isn't that funny? Oh my God. <laughs> totally. I even wrote down like, what are these positive mantras where you like thank three people who you yeah. can't stand or yeah. something? Yeah. You got to just share this. Okay. I love it. Cause you, you always, the third person you thank is always the same. <laughs> thank you, Trump. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But, um, yeah, share, share your, so incorporating mantra and prayer while doing a yoga class. Um, I found, it's it, it's the missing piece for me than just like going on a run or going on a hike. I mean, a, a hike can be like I, I try to hike Sunitas every day. You right, very black and white every day. Um, that's like a pilgrimage. But in in yoga poses, particularly backbeds, being in a heart opener, being really vulnerable, um, and adding the prayer piece to it, and learning about how forgiveness is truly um, the one of the most healing things you can do for yourself. And so I've been working with, you know, forgiving myself for all the bad decisions I've made and, you know, forgiving. I did for a while my wheels to my birth father, forgiving him for leaving, you know. And in that, like two years, I dedicated my my wheel to him, wheels of yoga pose. Um, and then fast forward, I met him recently, you know, or like a few years back now. But um, a sense of not holding on and being resentful to you know people we're all just doing our best we can and, and if somebody fucked me over like it's just you know the four agreements don't take things personally like that big one like looking at particularly in the way i was raised of like okay my, my birth father was just scared and he left and he's from hungary and you know it's like i can see it from more of like a outside situation mm-hmm. you know and so i feel like the, the mantra, may you be well, may you be at peace, thank you for the lessons, is like one of my absolute favorites because, um, I mean, I, I'm not the originator of that. I'm paraphrasing it from wherever I learned that. I think it's some Buddhist phrase or something, but um, really seeing how, and particularly, you know, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the 12 steps in AA and like cleaning up your wreckage and making amends and seeing how, you know, where my part is like in every resentment I have, I have a piece and a part of the puzzle. Um, and so kind of combining, you know, the background of yoga and sobriety and then fusing it into actually in, in a, in an action, I guess in that, in that expansive pose, it can be really potent and powerful. So, and you're talking about wheel. Yeah. Wheel or bridge or whatever, like whenever we're, or like even in half pigeon, I guess when we do half pigeon is another pose, like a gratitude list. I'm a huge yeah. fan of that. Um, I can't even do like wheel or the one where you bend your be- camel. Yeah. Camel hands on your low back. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I start putting my head back and I feel like I'm going to puke. Yeah. It's very hard. And I yeah. think it's emotional. It could it be yeah. physical. I don't it know. It probably could be both. Yeah. I would say even just by looking up. You're in the pose. You don't have to like lean way far back, particularly if you feel any pain. Yeah, I can barely look up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to puke. Better That's turn good. around. <laughs> um, you don't want to puke on the mat. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's, it. what's really interesting to me is that you've been on this ride, this pendulum. Yeah. And yoga, it, it seems like yoga should be the thing that happened after you got out of this stuff. Mm. But yoga's been there for you through mm-hmm. this ride, kind yeah. of through some of the dark stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, can you talk, I, I found yoga a few years ago because 
my friend Jillian, mm-hmm. who goes to Core Power, mm-hmm. who I'm sure you know, um, she she's been on the podcast. Okay, she's awesome. Anyway, okay, awesome. She said you got to go do this. You're gonna like the C two thing, and then they have this like workout class. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, well, C two thing, I don't know about, but I'm gonna go do a workout. Okay, you did the sculpt class. Yeah. So yeah. like, I entered yoga through basically group fitness. Yeah. And then started to get into the more what I thought were easy classes, but turns out they're actually harder than sculpt (laughs) because you have to hold things and concentrate in different ways and like find your center in different ways. Yeah. And, um, and I am shocked at how much yoga has become a part of my life. Yeah. I'm like completely shocked. Yeah. Cause I used to think that it wasn't a workout at all. And why would anybody want to like not breathe hard to go to a workout? Like it didn't, it wouldn't count for me when my old days of, being a hardcore athlete. I think it's like Jedi training. It is. It's different. Mm -hmm. It is different. And anyway, I think we all find it in different ways, Mm. right? When we get there, whatever it is, it might not be yoga. It might be something else that you thought Mm -hmm. was not worth it. Or, you know, it was just kind of like, eh, that's kind of hokey. I'm not going to get into that Mm. meditation, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but then something clicks and it becomes part of your life. And all of a sudden one day you're like, I do that. Mm, mm-hmm. That's like one of my things I do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so at first it's fun and then it becomes a necessity. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then you start to realize how much benefit. Right. So what, how did you find it? Oddly enough, it was a gift from my soon to be ex-husband. <laughs> that's it. If that's my word. Wait, he, you have another husband no, no, right no, no, now? No, no. <laughs> no, no. Okay. But the man that I married. Yes. Who yeah, is yeah. Now I guess my ex. You do only have one. Just ex. one ex. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Plenty of exes, but one ex-husband. <laughs> 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 um, he actually gifted me in 2002 of the, that Christmas, a pass to core power. And I remember the first class I fell in love was back when it was Bikram series. Um, so Bikram is kind of like my gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I didn't know it was going to be heated. I remember wearing long pants, long shirt. He wore a hat the whole time. It was like kind of funny looking back at it. But I remember being in Shavasana and having the thought, Shavasana is the final pose where you're lying on the floor like a corpse, you know? Right. And I just remember having this brief thought of like, I want to be an instructor. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I remember being like, I just want to fall asleep. <laughs> that is hilarious. I think you I, called I was it. like, I, f- I feel so fucking good. I was like, what is this? Oh my God. You and were so called to this. Yeah, and then fast forward, I saw the first teacher training and I think my gut just got like this, like punched. Cause I was like, Oh no, I have to take that. Te- like I knew I had to take the I teacher training. I have to do it. Yeah. So I used my student <laughs> loans. I was like, I'll do the training. I was terrified. Is that legal to like use your student loans on corporate um, teacher training? I don't think they care what you use on because they're like raking in the dough. You're going to pay me for exactly. 40 years anyway. I know. Which I just finished paying mine off. No way. Yep, That's this amazing. Year. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. Cutting my. I'm still always be a, a CU alum. You're making some real money now. Exactly. To <laughs> yeah. start to save. Yeah. <laughs> um, but wow. yeah, that's, uh, so I started teaching in 2005. 2005. Off a tangent, this is 15 years. I asked how you, how, yeah. how you found yoga, why it called yeah. to you. And you found it through your ex-husband. That relationship actually did a, so I much know. for you. Amazing. And definitely is one of the, may you be well, may you be at peace. Thank you for yeah. the lessons you know, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. He's, he's happy. 
He's Good. he wanted to be a daddy so bad. His family was buying us baby clothes for our wedding, and I was like, "Back the f off!" Like you know, you just, like I was so insecure and like body image issues. I told you, bulimic. Like yeah. I was just I m- the body stuff. Well, let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I mean, did that start when you were really young? That started when I was fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? Do you remember this? Um, I remember going to i think when i was even eight i went to a the walgreens down the street and me and my friend buying diet pills i remember at in first grade thinking i need to lose weight with my thighs i just remember distinctively like always being like my body was the enemy i never looked right i never had i wasn't skinny i wasn't pretty i wasn't like you know my boobs weren't big enough i my hair wasn't long enough my face was you know i looked like a bird face (laughs) just i was so um self-conscious about um not looking the way i like the magazines and the the movies and the um so that was started at eight and i you know again this is all in hindsight but like with an absent father and an absent mother and just progressing into you know that i was raised by mtv generations so i'm a road rules reject to be honest <laughs> wait what um do you know road like rules? you actually tried out oh yeah i got obsessed and i just like send them so many videos like oh i'm God. gonna be on your show that's my way out of longmont because i lived in longmont and it's like get me out of this town um do you still live in longmont no my parents do though i live in boulder I mean, I for a while, I worked in Longmont a long time ago. It's changed. I probably swim coached people in like your class. That's funny, probably. Um, but we called it Schlongmont. Oh yeah, or Wrongmont. Yeah, <laughs> Methmont. But now it's cool. <laughs> oh yeah, now it's like the new Boulder. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. Okay, so so the your body was the enemy. Yeah. I mean, that is the saddest thing I can think of for yeah. a fourteen-year-old girl. You yeah. don't, you can't get rid of your body. No. Nope. You can't be like, okay, I'm going to trade you in for something else. That but now. I tried. You know, like I mentioned, fake, fake hair it was just like bleach blonde, green contacts. Switch. You know, like I, I would do anything like go to the tanning bed, and I was into like running and biking and just like activity but like kind of not in the were you an exercise addict or would you like sit on a machine and watch the calories tick off yeah yeah like on the elliptical just you weren't like enjoying the beautiful trails no no no, no. yeah Yeah. (laughs) and when did bulimia start 14 oh wow okay so it all hit at once you were just like middle middle school happened boys uh just insecurities you were like, I, I don't like me. I'm going to change me mm-hmm. in every way, outside and mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. And then partying. And so if we talk about the eating disorder, mm-hmm. how many years did that plague you? It's interesting because it it lasted a while. It lasted, it, I would go on and off. It wasn't like, it's not very linear. It It was probably... You know, I got sober and then that kind of went away. And then it kind of started creeping in. And like on and off, it's interesting as far as timing, but I could go period, periods, long periods of abstinence, you know, when I was like 24, 25, 26. And then, but again, when I started drinking again and just that insanity, like that popped right back up into just like feeling shitty about myself and emotionally eating, like eating late at night and then feeling guilty about that. And then just, oh, being like, oh, I'll just go purge once. It's like, in my mind, it was like, oh, just one time, you know, but just, I'm just so grateful that I have my, you know, my health, my throat, my, my, my teeth, because that just is yeah, not a good, not physically like stomach acid and how that, like just, 
it's not a safe thing to participate in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you still fight the urge on all these things? I would say no. I if at this moment I am so grateful that I um I well if I my pendulum though of health has to swing to stay to the health side. Like I love feeling good and I I have to eat healthy foods. And I know there's certain foods personally that are like trigger foods, like ice cream. I can just I just have the muscle activation. I can just per it's just uh-huh. Like, you know, that muscle memory. So I just, I don't eat foods that I want, will want to go and get rid of. Um, but I mean, I, I may still, you know, I, I eat, my, my portions are maybe a little bit bigger. Like I, I can, I can throw down some food, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like when I'm healthy, when I'm living in health and wellness, it's like, no, I, I'm feeling, I feel great. I feel confident you in know, my It's interesting. I watch a lot of people who fight their body. Mm. I mean, I'm surrounded by Mm -hmm. this culture with women who are seeking the positive. Yeah. And they're, and and they're seeking the best life they can have. And, and they're fighting all of the self-hatred or the things they don't like about themselves. Mm. Think about when you, Mm -hmm. when you look in a mirror, Mm -hmm. do you, ever look at the part of yourself you love the most and yeah. say, I love that part of me. Yeah. Or do you turn sideways and look at your stomach? Yeah. Or, you know, you kind of like zero in on the thing you don't like. Yep. It's it's just, it's really hard to break those habits no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. But I've talked to so many women who when they finally have a breakthrough, they maybe have tried diets or um, very harmful things like mm-hmm. eating disorders mm-hmm. or diet pills or, or you know whatever, and it's only when they finally step back and actually start loving themselves yep. that it clicks and they get healthy. And it's so hard to like self love sounds so hippy dippy. It does. You know, it's like oh, just love yourself, but truly, it's like wow, it, I it, I have this like pet that i have to take care of i have to water and feed and walk and play nice and like i i just have to take care of this like it's it's a whole new concept (laughs) it is (laughs) and i think like you know the harder you're trying to change who you are it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. it's when you accept who you are and love who you are that like your body or whatever you're trying to change like suddenly it just happens without trying that's what i've seen in my mm-hmm, own experience mm-hmm, do you ever do you feel that i agree because then bullshit just kind of fades to like it just you can shed shed it yeah you've shed the skin yeah like a snake you're like voldemort <laughs> wait no no voldemort. <laughs> what, what the opposite uh, yeah <laughs> so um i want to go back to a couple of funny things okay so yeah. yoga so at core power you get a week free yeah so i'm like an addictive personality Mm -hmm. so i was like i'm gonna go every day like i'm i've never done yoga but i'll just go every day because i'm sure it'll be fine because you gotta pass right it's free i gotta get my money's Uh, worth my free money's worth so i did like somebody c2 and i did a sculpt and then at the end of the week i did like a hot hot yoga i did your c2 Mm -hmm. and it was like the like craziest <laughs> i don't even know i didn't know what flow was uh-huh. and it wasn't like a flow I've, i think i've ever done since uh-huh. even your flow has been different yeah. since and it was like all we did was twist yeah. and all this crazy stuff and afterwards i was kind of like what just happened <laughs> <laughs> remember you you go oh you're new 
um yeah just give me three times yeah give me three tries uh-huh. <laughs> like just give me three it's yeah. okay it's gonna be fine <laughs> yeah i think because some people i know i'm an acquired taste um and the first time i don't know i try to give every instructor three tries before i make up my mind so yeah but it i mean i came back yeah. I tried you again. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and now I pick your classes because yeah. I love it. Thanks. Um, and one of the things I love, though, is how real you are. And you don't go off a script. And, yeah. you know, there's something more free about the way you teach than a lot of other yeah. instructors. And I know, like, the new instructors, I can tell when they're going off the script. Yeah. They're like, now we do this pose and now we mm-hmm. do it. And, and you're kind of like, yeah, and then you know what? Maybe yeah. you just want to karate kick it here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or like... You're sexy. Yeah. You can like do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Give it a little booty shake or yeah. whatever. Um, put on the fake smile. Yeah. And it just it's so authentic to me. It does not seem fake. Is it yeah. fake? Is this real? Is this like I feel like some days it might be, but you know, um, but f- for the most part, I-, I feel like it's I'm in a phase in my teaching where I can be me. Like I hope that I you the same person you're talking to right here is the same person that's teaching the class when you're running to be the grocery store on Pearl Street or if you come by my house you know I I just really I'm just trying my best to finally be me <laughs> and not somebody else and not compare like you know so I, I feel like it's I mean there might be some days if I'm having a rough day it's like well you got to teach a yoga class I got to leave my shit in the lobby like I'm here to teach so I mean. But I would ho- hopefully, I'm doing my job as walking the walk. Because being a yoga teacher is like, I feel like even though it's been 15 years and people are like, whoa, it's like, I feel like I'm just skimming the surface, you know, to like walk the walk of really being somebody that is doing, you know, yoga is not just about the poses. There's the eight limbs and there's all these different sp- brackets that come out of yoga. The poses are just one, then there's meditation. You know, there's all these these different facets of yoga that it's like, it's a really a lifestyle, you know? And it's, it's can be overwhelming if to like think about yeah. right now, like, yeah. whoa, there's, but yeah. it's like, it's, it's a lifelong journey. Well, it's interesting. I remember, um, I always feel a little bit like a poser because like I, I'm not a yoga person, but yeah. apparently I am. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's not the sport I did. And so yeah. I go in, I kind of like, what, what? pose is that and yeah. I'm watching somebody else and like yeah. copying what they do but I realized finally like that's how you do it like exactly you're not you're not expected to be perfect and I think it, one day you said to me I love you have a beautiful practice yeah or something like that and I thought I have a practice yeah that's cool <laughs> yeah like I'm owning this uh-huh. right and I think my point in st- talking about all of this yeah. is you don't realize the the influence you have on empowering other people mm. that mm. you do have. You have Yeah, it. interesting, yeah. And we all listening have it. We don't realize yeah. that the way we act and what we put out there in the world, even when we're not feeling that great. Exactly, like, the ripple effect. Yeah, it's become, it's become something so positive for other people mm. that you become just like a light. Yeah. Right? You walk in a room, people are like, all right, cool. You can yeah. get at it. Let's well, I'm go. really, really, really getting kind of geeking out in vibration and frequencies and how um, everything is vibration and everything, you know, even things that are like solid or like this is, it's crazy because right. it looks solid, but molecules and atoms yeah. and like the scientific side just it blows me away of thinking, 
all right, what is my frequency? So I really try to get clear every day on like what frequency am I choosing to omit or emit, whichever word that is, emit to the world because I know like it's it's important for me to remember that when I'm teaching a class. Because I come in like, I've taken classes where the teachers are like, I'm I'm tired and I'm sick. It's like, well, what the hell are you doing teaching? I know, yeah. Go home, (laughs) we don't want to be sick. Yeah, (laughs) totally. But I like this, you know, it's funny, this is kind of a side note, but like we see what we see, mm. but there if you really broke it down to some kind of crazy molecular level, it is not what you see. And my daughter, we have this book called like Wacky Things Humans Do, okay. and every page there's 50 things, okay. right? And one of them is that on our faces, there's micro spiders crawling all over our faces. Wow. Did you know that? No. Yes. Wow. Your face is in motion. Yeah. Like, I can't see it, though. Yeah. Is that the weirdest thing you've ever heard? But, like, I, I love this idea of, yeah. this isn't really my vibration. It's <laughs> like weird spiders on faces, but it's a real yeah, thing. Yeah, the things that we don't see. Right. Uh-huh. The or, other world of the unseen. Right. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, I don't know if this is part of this little chapter in your book, but you mentioned a couple times, like, oh, yeah, I hike Sunitas every day. Yeah. So the first time you said it, I was like, oh, is she, like, kind of has an exercise addiction like she has to hike sanitas or is it an yeah. ocd thing or yeah. something but then you mentioned the tree yeah and i thought there's something deeper here yeah so i don't know maybe talk a little bit about what this excursion this daily need to go yeah. visit this tree. well i've done some experiments <laughs> the, the days that i hike are always better than the days that i don't um it's kind of like clearing my head i i really do like to run but in the winter there's i don't like running and so i kind of been doing like little challenges for myself like all the the entire month of december hiking and then it just progressed to okay well january i'm gonna hike every single day um and if i can't go all the way to the top i'll go to the prayer tree and um the prayer tree is if you start at the bottom to the top, the entire hike is 1.5 miles. Well, the tree is at mile 1.3. And it's this like right. really incredible, like dead, rounded, awesome tree. And somebody told my, me about it probably like maybe even 15 years ago. So I feel like I have a lot of people going through some struggles and I feel like I can go to that tree every day and just send a prayer. Like I have a friend, Nina, who's going through some cancer, chemo. I have a friend, Heidi, their cat's dying. I had, you know, just like all these people that I can go through my mind and just send some prayers through that tree to them. So, um, and I make sure to, I feel like it's like my bolder civic duty to tell everybody about this tree. Um, Then the funny thing is, is the lady who told me, I was like, thank you so much for telling me about the tree. She's like, don't tell people about that tree. <laughs> oh, we've like, told thousands of people about that tree. I know. The more <laughs> prayers and wishes, the better. I was like, I definitely have to tell the whole world about the prayer tree. Okay, you guys. So Mount Sanitas yeah. is like a Local just an hike. epic hike in Boulder. So if you come from out of town, it's never you're gonna, easy. No, you're going to be like, what are you putting me through? And you know. It's really, I just took my friend today for the first yeah. time and she's like, you do this every day. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. When I was um, when I was racing as a pro triathlete, uh-huh. it was like, yeah, we'll do Sanitas. And I almost didn't count it as a workout. It's crazy. Now yeah. it's like, I can do Sanitas. Well, there's and people I that do, the, do it like three, yeah. four, five yeah, times. Yeah. Was that you? We used to do that. Oh yeah. God, that's... Now, one's good. One's good. One's good. I'm one's like, plenty. Yeah. And it's strength work and it's right in town. That's the it's amazing so thing about it. It is an awesome epic hike right in town. You have mm-hmm. to go when nobody's on it. Which is like six ever. Yeah. It's rare. Or with yeah. a headlamp. 
which is fine. Yeah, you can get out there. But um, but I love this. It's like, it's maybe it is a little OCD. Yeah. Maybe it is um, to help fend off some of your other addictions. Definitely. I mean, I do think there's definitely a spectrum of like the more positive things mm, that definitely. we feel we have to do to fulfill yeah. ourselves, right? But, um, but what's really interesting about this is that you take this journey not for yourself. Maybe hmm. it is for yourself, but mm-hmm. you also use the journey to to take part in thinking about others. Yeah. So how much is like, you know, I've mentioned this a couple times today, but your path to, you know, the the, the good side. Mm, yeah. <laughs> From the dark side, yeah. right, to the light. The light. Um, how much of that do you credit other people with helping you with whether they're it's spiritual like you're just thinking about people or yeah. or has it really truly been you forcing it to happen that is a good question let me think i i would say that it's hard for the ego to see the ego so i i, I can't let me think how to word this. For me, when I can be of service and I'm getting out of myself, that's when I feel like the best. Like when I go teaching in the jail sometimes, you know, like, yeah. um, or when I, sh- when I can be of service, when I can show up to teach a yoga class and it not be about me. Because sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll have like somebody in my class and I get nervous. I'll, I'll get nervous actually a lot of the times to teach, but it's like, okay, this isn't about me. This is about the student. This is about them. This is nothing to do about me. But, you know, creeping in, it's like, I want people to like me. There's still that like, that insecure me still is well, in the there. the human part. Yeah, exactly. So I would say the days that when I... Sh- I have a morning routine, which again, you can classify as OCD a little bit. Um, You know, I wake up and I do 40 I am statements. I make a gratitude list. I meditate for at least 11 minutes. I I mean, I I try to do certain things, try to set my frequency or my tone for the day. Like I, the people who I'm grateful for, people who I want to pray for, um, you know, it's like this kind of hour long ritual I have in the morning and then. So when I'm doing that and living in service and thinking of others, it there it's just um, right that saying of the best way to lose yourself is to find yourself in the service of others. Maybe Buddha said that. I don't know. Um, maybe it was Buddha. But the days you know when I'm waking up feeling you know shit shitty or a drama is in my brain or you know I'm not I'm, I'm just focused on my inner little ch- mind chatter in yoga like the chitta vritti the mind the monkey mind. Then it's like. Those are the worst days. So again, I am a feel good junkie. And if it's going to make me feel good to hike, if it's going to make me feel good to like show up and help out somebody or, you know, like it's, it's kind of selfish (laughs) to be honest, to like want to be helpful. And you know, it's like, I guess like a win-win. So I have like certain people I'll text every morning. I just finished reading this book called the gentle, uh, the what is it the the art of gentle blessing oh i love it and it's in my opinion it's about like raising your vibration and being in blessing and blessing people um along your day blessing people who piss you off right as we mentioned earlier blessing like being in blessing because it's it's not about these big momentum momentous things in life it's really how we show up on these little teeny moment by moment by moment and if i can live in blessing and love and light and gratitude which it's like, it's like the more diligent, again, it sounds very OCD, but like the more, the older I get, the more diligent I have to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and you don't want to go back down some rabbit holes. Yeah, I don't want to go back in. to the dark side. No, you want to stay in this beautiful place of self-love. Mm-hmm. 
you don't want to do things where you have to forgive yourself again. Exactly. Although you will. Exactly. Because we're human. Exactly. So hopefully they'll be different. Well, my theory Not is that <laughs> the spiritual awakening is like this amazing place to be, but like people need to go to sleep. They need to rest so that like, a, I don't know if this is a word, but sleepening happens, right? So I'll just, I have to, as much as I want to stay enlightened and awake all the time, like people who do that are called crackheads, right? If, if you met somebody that hasn't slept in days and days physically, <gasps> yeah, you know, you're like, yeah. you need to go to sleep. You need yeah. rest. So they're putting off all kinds of weird oh my stuff. God, seriously. <laughs> so it's just going to happen on the path of like, sometimes I'll forget. So I, need, I need a reminder. So that, that ebb and flow of awake and asleep, awake and asleep. You know, what, what called you to um, give back to people in jail by, by helping them practice yoga? Well, back in 2010, in the turbulent, one of the crazy nights of that turbulent relationship, um, I ended up, I landed in jail. Don't remember how I got there. And waking up just terrified, being like coming out, coming to in jail, not knowing what happened. Um, and I was in jail for like three days. And in that time, just having sheer anxiety, uh, just even telling you, like, it was such three days is like, it, it felt like an eternity. And I remember at one point feeling like I was like about to lose my shit and I just started doing yoga right there and I was just like making this pact to the universe at this time my boyfriend was like um we need to reevaluate our relationship I'm was just like, he in jail too no but I, I'm just like all I want to hear is like it's gonna be okay just my sister showed up my sister is like the the most incredible human being on this planet she's like it's gonna be fine it's gonna work out you know like that's I just needed to hear like I love you still like don't worry like we're gonna get you out <laughs> Right, right, um, yes. Yeah, it was like, um, I got resisting arrest, third degree assault to a police officer, a um, couple other charges that got dropped, but, um, you know, and I don't remember any of it. And so I made this vow to the universe, like, okay, dear God, or whatever is out there, like, I will bring yoga back to the jail when I get out. So after I got out in 2010, fast forward, I ended up moving to um, LA. I was able to work in the prison's, volunteering with gogi which stands for getting out by going in and doing james fox training he does this like prison yoga training and so getting involved in the prison system and then when i moved back home to boulder um i knew that maybe i was even doing the timeline it's weird you know getting older time is always kind of like i don't know quite the timeline but if i i think i taught at the jail and then the prison and then come back but it's funny just this whole process of like you know when you're in the system then trying to it's this long process to get out of the system and then to get back into the system to go teach then it's like it's funny to like fight to get back into the system there's this whole you know protocol of background checks and interview and um, orientation and yada 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 so fast forward like still been doing that that's been for a little while now that's under a blanket of the give back foundation which is i do it with yoga impact and it's a group of us who go in and i teach just on the women's side and the classes are really intimate and they're with with women that um i think maybe when they see me they're like uh, like you know but like who is this girl you know but once they know that like I was in jail too and uh, you know that doesn't define who you are and, and I try to teach them some tools and ha bring some levity to it like you know have just for like a sliver just bring in a little bit of sense of lightness and know that 
you know, I'm also in recovery. I'm a kind of an open book, like just tell them some meetings they can go to if they want to. And because typically when you're in the system, you're, you know, your, your problems, you're not really thinking right when you get out, like, okay, I'm ready to go to a yoga class. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm on probation. I got to find a place to live or I got to, you know, so I'm hoping to leave them with some tools that they can practice in their cell. Yes. It's not all about just like the handstands and the crows. It's about, you know, taking a big breath and just, you know, yeah. Does Core Power offer a program for them? How about like some discount? Yeah. Well, they do, we do a free week, but unfortunately, you know, like we live in a world where it's very classist and it's like, that's why I feel like I I go volunteer there. It's like to bring into the population who wouldn't necessarily can afford it even. Wow, I love this. I mean, you've had just the most amazing journey. You really have. <laughs> and the best is yet to come. You're still going. Yeah, You're exactly. Not 40. Like I, I said, this is your power decade. <laughs> it is. Something I'm excited. big's gonna happen. Mm. So how long have you been sober now? This time? Drum roll, please. Well, it's truly <laughs> only one day at a time. And I get really kind of like self-conscious because, but really I guess I should wear it as proud three and a half months. Actually four. It'll be four on the first, on a few more days. But this time around, this last relapse that I had, so my my last like thing that I would justify was going to the oxygen bar and having this special stuff called Ling and Jun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would just be my last I just would justify it like, oh, it's healthy. So well, um, what was it? I don't it's know. It's like what that this is. amazing fermented delicious yeah. elixir mm-hmm. that um, eight ounces is good, but two bottles is not. So for people <laughs> who don't understand the sensitivity to that, uh, you know, people who have a problem with alcohol, yeah. like I remember having kombucha mm. for the first time and being like, I feel weird. Yeah. Like it, this doesn't feel right. Like yeah. I feel kind of buzzed. Yeah. And I think you are. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can't, and anything fermented is, mm-hmm. you know, in, in whatever form they're serving, it can definitely. A, like that yeah. teetering of mm-hmm. like, and the, the, I can't judge anybody else that like, I, what I've learned is I can't judge anybody else's journey. Because the moment I'm judging somebody else, that stuff's going to come right back to haunt me. Yeah. You know? Um, so you were going there and you were like, okay, I'll just do a little bit of this. But then did you go into like, okay, now I'm going to have a 12 pack. Um, no, but I did think that it was a good idea to have sake. Like, oh, it's just rice water. I just justified that. <laughs> and then nope, hung over again, blacked out again, slept with the guy again. Oh my God, <laughs> it sucks. But so this last tr- round, my, my mom, bless her heart. She's been sober, um, since, you know, she's, She's on the sober path. From when you were a kid. Yeah. When they started yeah, going. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Her and my stepdad are both sober. Um, I just lost my train of thought, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. My my aunt, my cousin, my uncle all stopped smoking with hypnosis. And so my mom, like... I'm just an open book to my mom. I just, like, maybe overshare to her, like, everything that's going on in my life. Um, but she was like what do you think about hypnosis? Because I've gone in and out and in and out. Like I've had seven years sober. I've had two years, you know, I get these times, but then I just kind of, you know, trickle back to my, my old way of like sneaky thinking, I guess. But, um, this last three and a half months ago, I was like, yeah, I'll I'll try anything. So I tried hypnosis and I was really reluctant because I'm like, am I gonna, you know, I've just seen what all they, but I, 
it's been magical. Well, well, tell me how it worked. I, like, was it the whole, like, um, the, you're no, watching the no, thing and you go into a trance? It was amazing. So I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit about it and then I'll share, like, true stories. So she she asked me, like, what I want out of the session. And I'm like, I never want to be hungover again. I do not want to drink. Like, I am so, I am ready. Like, I cannot keep wasting my valuable time on this planet i have this slight obsession about death and i think about it all the time and i think about constantly like what if this was my last day on the planet what if my last day this is you know am i am i okay with people i guess i just again think i overanalyze like knowing how important life and time is on this world and so it's like i don't want to waste it i don't want to i'm just sick and tired so there's this amazing like luxurious like big poofy chair you sit in she covers your eyes she walks you through this thing i don't even i don't even remember really because you're like you're kind of in a almost sleep state but i kid you not after our session i was like all right i feel like almost like when you get a massage and you feel kind of blissed out i was like okay i I drove all the way to denver so i'm like yeah I'm, i'm fine to drive i kid you not i had a kombucha every day okay every day i at least had one kombucha sometimes even two and I had a bucha, I call him a booch. I had a booch in my car. I took a swig of it and it tasted so disgusting. I dumped it out, which I've never done before and I haven't had one since. I went to the auction bar. I had no desire at all. Typically, like there's this little sense of like, I don't know if jealousy is the word, but like, I wish I could drink that. It's just, it's gone. I don't know, like the, I am a, such a believer in, there's so many tools out there and so many resources, like, you know, AA is one way, hypnosis is one way, there's churches, there's help groups, there's books. Like, I feel like they're all like a tool. So I feel so blessed that I was able to experience that. It was hands down the best, like whatever was spent. I, f- I forget, like 300 bucks for three sessions. That is amazing. Oh my gosh. I was like, I can't believe I just spit that out. Well, and you're like, why didn't I do this 12 years ago? Oh my God, I wish I did it 20 years ago. (laughs) I mean, I, and I appreciate your, you know, the thought of like, I don't want to drink again, but you kept doing it. Mm -hmm. Even though you're like, I don't want to do this, but I'll just have a little rice water. You know, like it's just, it was a, a like you said, train of thought. You had to break. Mm -hmm. It it was almost like you have have to retrain those pathways in your brain, Mm -hmm. like they talk about. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Four months. Mm -hmm. Right around. Yeah. Bam. And it's just one day at a time. One day. I just. I'm just feeling so grateful. Yeah. I can get really caught up in like, you know, in the in the AA world, people wear their sobriety like as a yeah, yeah. you know on their sleeve of like here's my 10 yeah, year token exactly yeah uh-huh. but really it's like one day just one day yeah it's funny i i now watch children's movies okay. so i went to frozen 2 okay nice. which i didn't think was the best movie in the I world but it was it. still fun okay and i literally in the middle i turned my phone back on to write down a quote oh. and i'm like <laughs> we are getting inspiration <laughs> everywhere That's but they nice. were basically they said something like when you can't see the path through the trees, the only thing you can do is the next right thing. And Amen I was to like, that. Frozen too. Amen. You nailed it. Amen. <laughs> so it's the next right thing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's where we are. 
Oh my gosh, do you know how long we've been going here? I have no idea. Hour 12. Dang. Yeah, yeah. This this chat, like chat, chat, chat. Absolutely amazing. Like you. So much to talk about. You are just such a huge blessing. Oh, like right you, back at you. Thank I you. I am so happy that I stumbled upon. I'm happy I went back to your twisty class. Yes, thank you. And you um, three tries. And I do a lot of karate kicking with okay. you. It's fun, huh? It's so fun. Yeah. It's like my favorite. And then when you're not teaching, I still do yeah, the karate kick. Yeah, you still totally do karate kick. Like, yeah. To. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I just, I don't know. I just feel really grateful. Mm, Um, and you're so not alone with all of the things that you have dealt with. The just sharing them Mm. is helping so many people who are sitting there going, I can't not have that drink. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can relate. Yeah. I, I'm having, um, I'm on the slippery slope of an affair. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, uh, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like, I don't love my body. I want to change that. Like, you can yeah. make the change. Yeah. The change can happen. And if if you go backwards once or twice or how many ever times, like, it's okay. Yeah. You can come back. You're a good person. You know, your place on this planet is meaningful. Yeah. So that's how I feel about you. Boom. Thank you. And But anyway, I do have one more question for yeah. you. It's the question I ask every guest okay. who comes on the what show. Is that? So if you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Ooh, fake smile. Share your fake smile. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) big old smile. Um, That's at least my kick right now. I feel like um, it's, it's scary and intimate and vulnerable to smile but I you know being a sociologist and really thinking about connection and there's a lack of connection and it doesn't have to be necessarily like touching people but it's just like that connecting of like energy and smiles and um practice I think like practicing being happy um that's like the quickest free Prozac right there yeah free yeah, just practice fake smile. Sometimes, like even just holding it for one minute, it's not as easy as it sounds. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it almost always turns real. <laughs> yes, Especially exactly. when you're looking at someone. Exactly. Oh, what a great day. I feel like, I mean, if you gave me more time, I could probably think of more, but that's the first. No, that's okay. it. That is, <laughs> no one's ever said that before. Right. And we're on uh, episode 157. Dang, that's amazing. Congratulations. Congrats to you. I feel you. honored to be part oh of it. Oh my gosh. I am so glad you agreed to do this. Definitely. And then started listening to podcasts. Yeah, I started listening. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great way to do it. <laughs> All right, well, I will see you tomorrow. All right. Namaste. Namaste. All right, you guys. What a cool episode. What an amazing woman. God, I support her journey. Um, Empathize with her. I have compassion for her, and I adore her. I have a feeling you all do, too. If you check out the show notes, um, there's a few links of ways that you can find her and connect with her. And if you're in Boulder, get over to one of the Core Power locations and take her class. She's just so awesome. Let her know you found out about it through the podcast. Um, All right, guys. What do you think about that fake smile? Let's do it. Put on that little fake smile. You know I believe in it. I did a whole talk about positivity and the fake smile was part of my talk. Not only does it eventually turn real and trigger all those happy hormones, but it is contagious. So everybody, let's put on our fake smiles, no matter where you are right now, no matter how ridiculous you think you look, you are probably changing somebody else's day, maybe their life, just by doing it. All right, everybody, on that note, you know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.